All right, Father, we thank you for this evening. We ask and we say as we study your word this evening, we say there is illumination. The eyes of our understanding is enlightened. There is no contradiction, no confusion in this atmosphere. We behold you as we see ourselves in you. And your name alone is glorified. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Philemon 1 verse 6. <coughs> Philemon 1 verse 6. We are continuing our series on who you are in Christ. And um, Philemon 1 verse 6. We're continuing our series on who you are in Christ. It says that the communication of your faith may become effectual by acknowledging every good thing which is in you. In where? In you. In you. In you. In Christ Jesus. Praise God. So the believer must continually be reminded of who he is. You know, we started, um, I think last week now, Abby, this week, we started and we said that, um, have you had people ask you questions and say, who are you, what's, what's your, what, what are you, and you, you, we studied and we said, a lot of people could have different opinions about themselves, and um, people can have a different opinion about you, and we did it, we did it, um, we did a classwork, uh, we call that a classwork, and we said, tell somebody, let's do it again, ask the person beside you, sit there beside you, and say, what's your opinion about, what do you think about Let's do that quickly. Let's do that for the next one. What do you think? Just, just what do you think about it? And you're going to hear different opinions. <laughs> Hallelujah. So, praise God. You know, so... <laughs> oh, you, you still need more time? <laughs> you need more time to find out who you are about? Okay. I'll give you the time. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise God. So now did you did you did you find out different opinions of people? Yes. Now how many of you find how many of you how many of you found out something not true? Somebody said things that are not true. Nobody? <laughs> did you find out things that are not true? You found out things that are not true, right? Ah, exactly. So now <laughs> that is exactly how it is when people tell you um, what you are not in Christ. It's just like somebody coming to you and tell you you are a sinner. Oh, no, I'm not saying it's not a God forbid. It's, it's, it's not your reality. Hallelujah. Because the Bible says he became sin. 2 Corinthians 5.17 It says, no, not 5.17 2 Corinthians 5.21 It says he became sin, he who knew no sins, so that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So, a man who has believed the gospel is called righteous. Hallelujah. And we studied the reality of God's word. We study all of those things in the basis of Christianity. You can lay your hands on those things. But now, the believer must be continually reminded of who he is. Because the knowledge of who you are affects everything about you. You know, if they tell you and they say, um, you are not brilliant, they keep ringing it in your brain. They keep telling you, you know, um, if you watch those kind of movies where they keep telling the, those, those, the, that child that you're not good enough, you're not good enough, you're not good enough, you're not good enough, and the, and the guy keep trying and keep trying and keep trying, 
and he to start feeling like he's not good enough, he's not good enough. He starts setting that as his reality. I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. <laughs> the more you keep letting that stay around, <clears throat> is the more you keep seeing that as your reality. If they keep telling you you're not good enough, you keep seeing that you are not good enough. So, one thing for the Christian or for the man who has believed the gospel is that the man must be continually reminded of who he is in Christ. He must continually be reminded of who he is in Christ because the revelation of that changes everything about you. When you find out who you are in Christ, the identity you have in Christ, it changes everything about the believer. It changes everything. 1 Corinthians 3 verse 16. 1 Corinthians 3 verse 16. 1 Corinthians 3 verse 16. It says that, Know ye not that, you're, that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you. So imagine if they have fed you with a fallacy or an error that you have to pray for the Spirit of God. How I many of you have been in church service before? And they say, ah, let's now welcome the Holy Spirit to come down. Let your spirit come down, oh Lord. How I many of you have been in church service and they say, now let's invite the presence of the Holy Spirit to come down now. Then they will not start speaking in tongues. So what were you doing before? <laughs> They've prayed in tongues before in their opening prayer. So the worship leader will now come up and say, brethren, let's come down. Let's now invite the Spirit of the Lord to come down. Let's be in a quiet move of worship as we allow this presence of the Spirit to come down. Then the person will now start breaking in tongues again. <laughs> That's wrong. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 3 verse 16, it says, Know ye not that the Spirit of God dwells in you. So as you are seated right here, the Spirit of God is with you. You came in with the Spirit of God. You are not looking for another spirit in the service. Hallelujah. That is why we confidently could pray in songs just a couple of minutes ago. Because we came into this meeting with the spirit of God. Hallelujah. He says, know ye not that you are the temple of God and the spirit of God dwells in you. So the spirit of God dwells in the believer. He says, know ye not that the Spirit of God dwells in you. So God has made you his resting place. Look at your neighbor and say, God has made you. No, you're not saying it like you mean it. Say, God has made you his resting place. That is it. So where we want to, so if you look at, now, if, you, if I say, where is God now? You can safely look at the, the person beside you and say, God is with you. Hallelujah. Because the Spirit of God dwells in you. Am I making sense to somebody this evening? Because it says, know ye not. When it says you are the temple of God, the temple means the building of God. Yes. Hallelujah. So you are the temple of God. So a believer needs to understand this or else you will be misled. They will be telling you, that, hope you know God is not in a physical building. Hallelujah. How many of you, you grew up and um, when you want to pray, you, you come to the pulpit like this and you kneel down here and you feel like God is in the pulpit here and you're just praying to God, oh Lord. How many of you did that? Oh Lord Jesus, oh Lord Jesus, answer my prayers now. How many of you did that? Let me see. Let me see. Go, I did it too. <laughs> you did it. Go. I mean, you pray because you feel like this place is the the honor is the special home of God and this is where God is where no it's just a podium 
Hallelujah. It's just a podium. God is living with you. Hallelujah. The Bible says he dwells in you. He's making his abode with you. So there is, there is no God in this food is now. No. Or because this place is demarcated, or because they are not be like, oh, no, don't touch this place. Don't even come. If you even want to come here, you have to off your shoes. How I many of you did those things? You off your shoes before you climb up to the pulpit because you feel like, ah, this is where God is living. God does not live in a physical building. Hallelujah. He doesn't live in a physical building made with human hands. He doesn't. He lives in you. Somebody built this place. So you now expect that somebody could cage God to come and stay in one place? No. Hallelujah. He says, Know ye not that you are the temple of God. That's why some people will say, Lord, make me your Lord PPM sanctuary. I mean, if you know there's a pure and holy, try and true. Thanksgiving, I'll be a weaving sanctuary for you. The Lord will prepare you. <laughs> the Lord has made you when you got born again. Hallelujah. He made you that sanctuary. He made you his dwelling place. See, I tell people I say, God didn't have anywhere to live again. And the only place he could live is the man who has believed the gospel. Hallelujah. Praise God. So, you must not have an identity crisis of yourself. You must not have an identity crisis of yourself. The man who has believed the gospel should not have an identity crisis of himself. You must not. Because God never leaves the believer. In Matthew 28 verse 20, he says, I will never leave you. I will never leave you. Hebrews 13 verse 5. I will not forsake you. I will never leave you. So God lives in the believer. And he never leaves the believer. Never. Jesus placed an emphasis in the knowledge. In, that's why Jesus placed some emphasis in Matthew 16. Matthew 16. We saw that last week. Matthew 16 verse 15. Where the disciples were, he was asking them, would you, who the men think that the Son of Man is? Matthew 16. Matthew 16. Matthew 16, verse 15. It says that, um, and he said unto them, but who do you say I am? What, who do you say that I am? So, the, because the identity was tied to his. If they can understand who Christ is, they would know themselves. Once a believer can know who Christ is, he will know himself. Any ignorance of that, well, because it is why people don't even understand that is because they're actually ignorant of who Jesus is to them. They don't even know who Jesus is to them. And when you don't know who Jesus is to you, you can't even know what you have in him, you can't know your identity in him. That's why Philemon 1 verse 6 says that the communication of your faith may become effectual by you acknowledging every good thing which is in you in Christ. Hallelujah. So, it will affect the knowledge of Christ would affect your visibility 
and it will affect everything about you. Peter answered by revelation in verse 16. He says, and Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art Christ, the Son of the living God. You cannot know Christ by science. It's not possible. You can't know Christ via movies. You can't even know Christ via passion of Christ. They are just acting a script. That was not the real Jesus. He was an actor. <laughs> you know, it took me years to understand this thing. This thing I just said. That that guy that acted passion of Christ is not Jesus. He was just an actor. How many of you, how many of you that has not crossed your mind before? Do you think that there was camera in those days to actually be carrying them around and be taking Jesus and all of those things. Somebody acted it now. <laughs> it was a movie script. <laughs> and you know, we've made that guy a god. Everybody now has that the picture of that guy now in their corners, <laughs> in the corners of their rooms somewhere. <laughs> we've made the guy an idol somehow. <laughs> Oh, yeah, now you go to a church somewhere, the corner, the picture of the guy is somewhere huh? on the wall. That's not Jesus. That is not Jesus. That's just an actor. You can Google his name. His name is online. <laughs> Are you getting what I'm saying? He's just an actor. You know, ignorance is such a deluge because it makes you, it makes you just... Ignorance will make you just so you just be thinking, what, what, what's, what are you thinking about? Just be, ignorance can punish you. That's the problem. <laughs> are you getting what I'm saying? The guy is just an actor. So when you want to watch Passion of Christ, before you start crying, that oh Jesus, 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 <laughs> just know that somebody is acting a script and this is not real. Are <laughs> you getting what I'm saying? <laughs> because I, I, I mean, when we were growing up, that was Easter movie. Every Easter, every channels in, in the station are showing that movie back home. And they're just like, oh, watch Passion of Christ. Or if you go to church during Easter period, everybody is just teaching you. Jesus did not say, brethren, now let's watch. Look at our Lord Jesus. That's not my Lord. <laughs> That's not my own Lord. <laughs> are you getting what I'm saying? That's not my Lord. Hallelujah. So because <laughs> you can't know Christ via that kind of movie. It's not possible. It's not possible. You can't. You can't know Christ via signs, via movies. You have to know Christ via the written word, via revelation. Even his kindred, even Jesus' kindred missed out of it in Luke 4 verse 22. Luke 4 verse 22. Because if you think you want to know him, via even his physical appearance, via his, okay, what does he look like? What clothes does he wear? You're going to miss the point. Look at Luke 4, verse 22. Luke 4, verse 22. Luke 4, verse 22. Luke 4, verse 22. And all bearing witness and wondered at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, Is this not Joseph's son? If you are trying to go to Jerusalem to know Jesus, you're not going to find him. He's no more in the tomb. You know, a lot of people feel like they become righteous when they go to Jerusalem to take pictures. <laughs> How many of you have been to Jerusalem before? <laughs> but I'm sure it's on, it's, on your, it's on your bucket list. I'm sure if you have not gone, it's on your bucket list. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry to announce to you, you're not going to find Jesus there. Whatever picture you're trying to take is just memories. <laughs> You get what I'm saying. So, don't, and you know, a lot of people will bring some bottle of water and know they'll say Jerusalem water. Um, they'll bring stone, Jerusalem stone, Jerusalem Byron. 
Jerusalem. This is the water that Jesus marched on. Are you uh, uh, two thousand years ago? Jesus still marched on this water. <laughs> <laughs> Don't water spring forth wow. down. <laughs> Are you getting what I'm saying? Praise God. Praise God. So even his families and neighbors, they needed insight via the Spirit to know Jesus. First John three verse one, because he is only known by revelation. You can only know Christ by revelation. Say, I can only know Christ by revelation. Revelation. First John three one. First John three one. First John three one. It says, Behold, what manner of Lord the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore, the world knoweth not, because it knew him not. Because it knew him not. So, the walk by sight, we who are Christians, who have believed the gospel, we don't walk by sight. In Matthew 16, verse 16, Peter told him, you are the son of God. You are the son of the living God. The son of God is the Messiah. So, he knew Jesus. Without examining his shoe, without examining the manner of walking or his hairstyle, he knew Jesus via revelation. Peter recognized Jesus via revelation. So imagine you look at the person beside you and you say, I know you in Christ. And, you, and we do the classwork that we said, okay, tell me about you. Just like, what, what opinion do you have about me? And you say, what I know about you is that you are righteous. How about that? What I know about you is that you are the son of God. What I know about you is that you are justified. You are no longer a sinner. What I know about you is that you, have, you are sanctified. You are seated with him at his right hand. Look at verse 7. Jesus answered and said unto him, verse 17, Blessed are thou, bad Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed it unto thee, but my father which is in heaven. Flesh and blood has not revealed it unto thee. So, a unique fact is that in the revelation of Christ is found the believer. Once you know the revelation of Christ, you find the believer in there. The revelation of Christ is where you find the believer. Philemon 1 verse 6, that the communication of your faith may become effectual by you acknowledging every good thing which is in us in Christ Jesus. So what is in Christ is in us today. Hallelujah. What is in Christ is in us today as believers. What is in Christ is in us today. So if he is not a choleric, you can't be a choleric. If he is not a sanguine, you can't be a sanguine or sandine. If he is not a phlegmatic, you can't be a phlegmatic. That can't be you. If he's not an Aquarius, Gemini, Libra, I'm sure that one, Scorpio, Aries, um, Sagittarius, Capricorn, is there Capricorn too? Leo. Cancer. Ah. There's a sign called Cancer? Cancer. Like the sickness. Is this spelled the sickness or is it an. Ha! You are never afraid. <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, if he is not all of that, that can't be me. Hallelujah. 
If Jesus isn't all of that, you can't be that. So you, so, you know, first date questions goes like, first date question, what's your sign? Um, I don't think we are compatible. I don't, <laughs> I don't think we match. <laughs> that, that can't be. That can't be you. That's not the believer in Christ. <laughs> Whatever is in Christ is in you today. Hallelujah. That's why it says, as he is, so are we. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, what is in Christ is in us. So, if it's not all of those things, already sanguine, like magic, all the signs, neither are you. Look at in verse 18. In verse 18 of that same Matthew 16, it says, And I say unto thee, that thou art Peter, thou art Peter, um, and I say unto thee, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So, Jesus referred to Peter as a stone. So, in knowing who Jesus is, he found out who he was. Jesus said, upon this rock, that is upon this revelation, I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail. So, in knowing who Jesus is, you know who you are. So, Peter to tell us much about this in 1 Peter 2 verse 4. Let's go there. 1 Peter 2 verse 4. 1 Peter 2 verse 4. 1 Peter 2 4. 1 Peter 2 verse 4. It says, To whom coming as unto lively stones, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. Says ye also. Look at it in verse 5. It says, Ye also as lively stones have built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. So, it's using, so he used that word lively stones. Lively stones. Or we can, instead of using, the King James made us to see that word as lively stones. Another translation can give us um, living stones. Because that's actually how it is in the originals. So, one thing that Christ has done for us is that when we see who Jesus is, we can see the believer. And we cannot deny what he has made us. We can't. We can't. First John 4 verse 17. 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 It says, Rearing is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. So in this age, we are as he is. And where and how he is. So, like I was saying, the revelation of Christ would affect the knowledge of ourselves. It will affect our it will affect the knowledge of ourselves. Look at what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. You can lay your hands on the material called in Christ's scripture because the word in Christ was used about 130 times. And similar words related to that was used about 130 times in, his, in Paul's letters. 
in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17. It says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. So anyone found in Christ is a new creation. A new creation. It means a new kind of species. A breed of mankind. A new person. A breed of mankind only found in Christ. So the scripture says, the scripture was instructing us that behold, behold means to see, to pay attention to, to pay attention to something. It means you consciously see it. So when I say behold this light now, I'm saying see this light. Pay attention to this. So the Bible is telling us, pay attention to this reality that you are now a new man. So that's why James told us in James um, 3, he says, you, you should not forget the manner of man you are. When you look at the mirror of God's word, you should not forget the manner of man that you are. And so you don't deceive yourself. In 1 John 3 verse 1, you must understand. You must understand. So you are a son. You are a son of God. So a believer is in Christ, a new creation. So we are all in Christ. Ephesians 2 verse 10. Look at Ephesians 2 verse 10. You know, we use the scriptures to explain everything because well, we, we, are not, we are not trying to show you and held knowledge. Look at Ephesians 2 verse 10. For we are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God has ordained that they should walk in them. We are created in Christ. We are created in Christ. So that means the material that was used for the new creation was taken from me, was taken from Christ Himself. Create means when it says we're created. Create means it doesn't exist before. We just created this man. So a man who received the gospel today, the man was created in Christ. It's as though a phase of his life has stopped and he just began new life entirely. It's like saying, okay, let's say a man got born again at the age of 70 years old. That shows from day one, Till 70 years, he was a totally different person. But from that 70 years, 0.0 seconds that he believes the gospel, he was created a new man. A new life starts from him. That's a life in Christ Jesus. That's what happens to a man who has believed the gospel. He's created. It means that kind of man does not exist before. So no one, and that's why we studied last week, and we said, no one can judge you by your past. No one can judge you and say, oh, you used to, uh, we used an example of Paul, or Paul, Paul who was a persecutor, who was, a, who was killing all the guys, all the Christians. And Paul could boldly say, the blood of no one is on my hands. How could Paul confidently say such a statement? He said, I've wronged no man. You wronged no man. 
but he is now seeing his reality in Christ. He's seeing that I am now a new man. So somebody will ask me, what happens to the ISIS? What happens to men who have killed people, hundreds of thousands of men? What happens to them when they believe the gospel? That man is becoming a new man. That's all. So we say, oh, but what? So, but is it God unfair? <laughs> Sorry, is it me that says you should not believe the gospel? That man has become a new man. That will never be counted. It will never be laid against his charge. It will be found in his record. You know that control delete and even deleted on the recycled bin. That's all. <laughs> it is never going to be in his history again. You know, in the United States, they have everything on your documents when they put your social security number somewhere. Everything is just going to show out. All your, especially, especially people that drive recklessly, all the driving record, all of those things. So you just imagine everything is erased. And they say you are a free man. That is, that is it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's just like maybe somebody has been convicted and, and, and they charge you for treason reasonable felony or something like that. And he came out and the record says, sorry, we can't find on your record that you were convicted of such a charge. You know, the guy is going to be confused. What happened? That is exactly what happened to a man in Christ. It is not found in your charge. Hallelujah. So, the man in Christ must continually see himself in that light. Look at in verse 15 of Ephesians 2. Verse 15 of Ephesians 2, it says, Having abolished in the flesh the enmity, having abolished in the flesh the enmity, even the law of commandment contained in the ordinances, for to making himself of twin one new man, so making peace, one new man. So at redemption, Christ made himself one new man. It was God who became flesh. John 1 14. John 14, it says, and the word became flesh, and he dwelt among us, and we beheld him as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So, in the incarnation, he was referred to as the only begotten of the Father. So, and that is the, his humanity. He was formed as a man. That is the title that was given to him as his descent to humanity. He was formed as a man. John 1 18. Look at John 1 18. John 1 18. John 1 18. Let's go there. John 1 18. Are we understanding something today? John 1 18. John 1 18. It says, No man has seen God at any time. Only the. Oh, the only begotten Son, which is the bosom of his Father, he has declared him. John 3, 16. For God so loved the only begotten Son, and whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So in his death, in his burial, and his resurrection, he dropped the title. He dropped the title of the only begotten Son. Because his death was for a reproduction. I'll say it again. His death was for a reproduction. John 12, verse 24. John 12, verse 24. 
John 12, verse 24. Jesus' death was for a reproduction. John 12, verse 24. It says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, he abideth alone. But if he died, he bringeth what? Much fruit. He bringeth forth fruit. So, before his death, he stood alone as the only begotten son. But in his death and his resurrection, he was among sons. Hebrews 2 verse 10. Hebrews 2 verse 10. He was among many sons, bringing sons unto glory. Hebrews 2 verse 10. Hebrews 2 verse 10. Hebrews 2 verse 10. He says, for it became him of whom are all things, by whom all things in bringing many sons unto glory, who to make the coping of their salvation perfect through sufferings. Many sons. So, so, and the funniest thing is some have chosen to ignore this truth. They've just said that, oh, we are born children, just like I was preaching some years ago, and somebody said, a man has to, when a man gets born again, it's first a child. Then he will now grow. How many of you have heard that concept before? He will now grow to become a son. And that, the question, somebody bailed me out in that meeting and the person responded to the person and said, when you give birth to your child, interestingly, the person was a woman. When you give birth to your child, if I first become a child, they now grow to become your son. <laughs> Are you getting what I'm saying? So, when we received the gospel, we became sons. We became sons. We became sons. We became sons. So people seated in this meeting this morning, this evening, we are all sons. Hallelujah. We are all sons. Romans 8 verse 29. Romans 8 verse 29. Romans 8 verse 29. Romans 8 29. Romans 8, verse 29. Are you learning something? Romans 8, verse 29. It says, For whom did they foreknew, also did he predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Firstborn. And this, this is not like firstborn, then secondborn. Jesus is the firstborn. You, you are the one millionth born. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> because if, if, that, if that's the theory, then you, you probably don't have a position. Because <laughs> you know how many people have believed the gospel since 2000, how many years ago? 2000 and something years to now. So that's not what the scripture is saying. So it's not like firstborn, secondborn theory and all of those things. So, But in this resurrection, we bear in this honor. Look at John 17, verse 21 to 22. In his resurrection, will bear in the same honor of him. John 17. This will blow your mind. John 17, verse 21 to 22. John 17, 21 to 22. It says, And that they all may be one, even as the Father hath in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, and the word may believe that thou hast sent me, and the glory which thou givest me, I have what? Given them. He has given them that they might be one 
even as we are one. We will never share your glory with anybody he has given us. Glory. <laughs> Hallelujah. Oh, look at the scripture again. And the glory which thou has given me, I have what? Given them. He has given us. So the glory is the same. We are one. So firstborn just means a prototype. It's just like saying, if I want to make an Apple phone, I have to show you a prototype of the series 14. Then it's from that prototype we used to create the other ones. That's how it is. So he's just showing us a model. So our example is Jesus. That's why I said, if we can see or know who Jesus is, you can know who you are. Because Jesus has become our prototype. He has become the firstborn. We are made of that stuff. We know the stuff we are made of. We know where we are born from. Because we have seen him. <clears throat> We've seen him. Let's go back to our Romans 8. Let's go back to that same Romans 8, verse 29. It says, him, he did conform. Let's see it. Romans 8. Romans 8. It says, For whom the deep know, he also predestinated to be conformed. The word conformed there is like the same word Paul used in Romans 12, verse 2, when he says, And be not conformed to this word, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So it's like a gradual adaptation of something. So they use the same word, but they mean different concepts in that place because. We don't gradually become sons, or neither do we just adapt to sonship. So it was, you can see what another word that was used in the epistles, and that's in conform in Philippians 3, verse 21. Philippians 3, verse 21. Because if you use that one, it will look as though we are gradually growing to become sons. But no, we are not growing to become sons. We become automatically become sons at salvation. Look at Philippians 3, 21. Philippians 3.21 It says Who shall change our vow body that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body. It says fashioned like. That's the word in the Greek sumpho. Sumpho. S-U-M-U-R-P-H-O S-U-M-U-R-P-H-O It means made like. So it means or it proposes to us that a pattern or a design others follows. So it's just like saying, that conforms like saying a pattern or a design that others follow. So, and it doesn't take a process. It is instantaneous. Our sonship does not take a process. It is instantaneous because we are fashioned in his image. He is the prototype, firstborn among many, and we are his brethren. So God has prepared us, God has pre-planned us, fashioning us to his image, and he has made us, he has made us in Christ had salvation. We are one spirit with him, 1 Corinthians 6 verse 17. We are one spirit with him. We are sons just like Christ. We are sons just like Christ. Just like we say Jesus is the son of God. You can say, I am a son of God. We are sons just like Christ. 
So we behold him in his resurrection. We see our kind. We see our species. We see our breed. We see where we are born from at his resurrection. Hebrews 2 verse 11. Hebrews 2 11. Hebrews 2 verse 11. Hebrews 2 11. Hebrews 2 verse 11. Hebrews 2 11. It says that um, for both he that sanctified and they who are sanctified, they are all of one, for which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren. Brethren means avofoy, from the same womb. All of us here, because we are all born again, we are born from the same womb. That's why we safely call ourselves brother. We call ourselves sisters because we are born from the same womb. And what's the womb? The womb of his resurrection. Not Mary's womb. <laughs> Not Mary's womb. I mean the womb of his resurrection. Hallelujah. They're not going to say it's the same Mary that born Jesus that born. You know, you know your mother at home. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> so we are born from his womb of his resurrection. 1 Corinthians 15, 47. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 47. 1 Corinthians 15, 47. 1 Corinthians 15, 47. So we can safely say we are sons. It is not instantaneous. It is instantaneous, sorry. It is not a gradual process. First Corinthians 15, 47. It says, The first man of the earth is earthy, and the second man is the Lord from heaven. It was referred to as the only begotten. But in his resurrection, he came from the dead. He came from the dead. Our death, or his death is our death. Hallelujah. Heart 13, verse 33. Heart 13, verse 33. Heart 13, verse 33. Heart 13, verse 33. Someone say, we are just opening too many scriptures. Where, how do you want us to find out? Hallelujah. Heart 13, verse 33. It says, God had fulfilled the same unto us, their children, as he has also raised up Jesus again. As it says, written in the second psalm, Thou art the Son, this day I have begotten thee. This day here is not the incarnation, but the day of his resurrection. When he says, this day I have become begotten thee, he's not, he's not talking about his incarnation or when he came to it. He's talking about his resurrection. So he was begotten, referring to being raised from the dead. So the first man to be born again, coming from the dead. So he was the first man to be born again, to come from the dead. And we too, we are that, like that today. So now, we want to see something. Where were we before? Before we received Christ. Look at Acts 2. I want everybody, Ephesians 2. I want everybody to go there as we, as, we, as, we, as we put a peg to this now and pick it up later. Look at Ephesians 2. Ephesians 2. Ephesians 2. Let's see. Where were we before? What was our identity before? Before we received Christ. Look at it. It says Ephesians 2. Let's see from verse 1. He says, and you are the quickened, who were dead in where trespasses and sins, wherein in this in the time past ye walked according to the course of this world, 
according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now walketh in the children of disobedience. So we can safely call a man who is not born again child of disobedience. Look at verse 3. Among all we all have our conversation in time past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and we were by nature children of wrath, even as others. So that was our nature. So he says, and you are taking with me, who were dead in trespasses and sins. So he died here. He was buried with our sins. He was buried in our sins. And he came out from the dead. The beauty about Christ, or what Jesus did, is that he didn't stay dead. And that is why our religion, in quotes now, is different from any other religion in the world. I'm using that word in quotes now. Because Christ that died for us did not stay dead. Every other person died and did not wake up. Are you getting what I'm saying? Muhammad died and did not raise from the dead. Are you getting what I'm saying? Buddha has died and we can't see him again. None of them rose from the dead. Only Jesus rose from the dead. Hallelujah. That is why people go to Jerusalem and go to his grave and take pictures because he is not there. They are living proofs that he is not there. He is not dead. He rose again. What a power that a man could die by himself and raise himself up. Hallelujah. He didn't need you to come and raise him. After 30 days, he picked up his body back by himself. Hallelujah. And he told us it is finished. What a God we serve. Hallelujah. And once we see ourselves in that reality, we would, we would see who we are. Hebrews 2 verse 14. Hebrews 2 14. Hebrews 2 14. He took care of sin. He took care of the doldrums of sins and shames. He took care of it. Hebrews 2 verse 14. Hebrews 2 verse 14. It says that for as much as the, for as much then as the children are partakers of the flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same. That through death, it might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil. So can you see why he died? Look at it again. I'll read it again. Everybody look at your Bible. It says, for as much then as the children are partakers of the flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death, it might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil. It destroyed death. It took care of it. It took care of shame. It took care of sin. It took care of death. It, it dealt with it to the fullest. And on the third day, he rose again. He was the first man to come out from, the, from death. But he will not be the last person because we too will come out from the dead. Hallelujah. You know, we said we were dead, right? We, we look at that in Ephesians 2 verse 1. We were dead in trespasses and sin. But now you are no more in that state. You came out. <laughs> Hallelujah. You came out. 
We read that just not quite long in Ephesians 2 verse 1, where it says, and you are the quickened, you who were dead in trespasses and sin. What is what quickened? It means he made you alive. Yeah. Hallelujah. He made you alive. So you too, you were in that state before, but now you are born again. You are made alive. You came out from the dead. Hallelujah. So he was the, he was the first person to come out from the dead, but he's not the last because Anyone who believes the gospel keeps coming out from the dead. They keep coming out from that state. Because we can safely say, a man who has not believed the gospel is a walking dead man. The Bible says the life of God is not in him. So he's just breathing, just walking, just walking dead man. When Christ comes, that's why the word in John 3 verse 16 says he will perish. The word perish there is like it will erase from existence. Have you ever watched Flash? When people erase from existence. Ah, you don't watch Flash? What are you even now using your Netflix to do? I'm just joking. <laughs> Praise God. They erase from existence. It will be as though they never lived. That's why if you have somebody you have not preached to and you want their lives to be, to be preserved, preach the gospel. So when they die, you can still see them again. Hallelujah. Because to us who have believed the gospel, the Bible made us to understand that we are only sleeping. If death comes for us. But the man who has not believed the gospel is gone. You will never, never see the man again. He is erased from existence. He swept up from eternity. You can never find his name. It will be as though he never came again. You won't be, there won't be a trace. There won't be a trace of him in this world again. But that man who has believed the gospel, he will wake up again. Hallelujah. When he dies, if he dies, he will wake up again. That is the glorious hope we have. Because the Bible says he has eternal life. Eternal life means everlasting life. A life. And on Zoe, he has everlasting life. The everlasting life and the eternal life is not gotten after the dead. Is gotten here. When you believe the gospel, you have given the man eternal life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Because as he is, does Christ have eternal life? Can Christ die? So you too can die. Because you know, remember I told you, when you see the revelation of Christ, you see who you are. Does Christ have everlasting life? No, are you, are, you, are you sure about that? So you have everlasting life. Can Christ die again? It's not possible. You too can never die again. That's why he says in John 3, 16, the very popular scripture, for so also loved the world, that he gave his only begotten soul, that whosoever believed in him would not perish. The next verse in verse 17 says, whosoever does not believe will be damned. That means he's gone, forgotten. Erased from existence. But you know, that's, the, that's not our portion. We can only preach it, but we can never experience it. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Because you have believed the gospel. Praise God. Hallelujah. You can only preach it and say, ah, you will perish, but you, you can never experience what it will be. <laughs> Hallelujah. What you are experiencing is everlasting life. Hallelujah. They're not sounding excited. Hallelujah. So he has destined or predestined us and planned us to be a better kind of ourselves. A species, a new kind, fashioned like him. And this womb is death. 
were born from the womb of Christ. Christ was born from the dead. He was born from the dead. Colossians 1 verse 18. 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 He was born from the dead. And he's the head of the body of the church. Who is the beginning of the firstborn from the dead. So he says, firstborn from the dead. He came from the dead. That in all things he might have preeminence. So from the dead, he became the first begotten now to us. Ephesians 2 verse 5. Ephesians 2 verse 5. Look at Ephesians 2 verse 5. Ephesians 2 verse 5. Ephesians 2 verse 5. Ephesians 2 verse 5. It says, even when you were dead in sins, even when we were dead in sins, as he quickened us together with Christ. Hallelujah. By grace, he has said, look at verse 6. And he has raised us up. Is that you? He says, to make us sit in heavenly places where? In Christ Jesus. So we were raised with him. Hallelujah. So as he was raising up from the dead, you were, go- you were doing the same when you believed the gospel. So he is the prototype. He has shown us who we are. We came from the same womb. Now we sit together with him. We are just like the firstborn. Who he is, we are. So, who he is, is who we are. Where he is, is where, he, where we are. That's why I like this song. Where I am is where you are. I'm going to teach you as we finish today. So, just as he promised, John 14 verse 3. Remember what he promised us in John 14 verse 3? Let's see, let's see, let's see as we round up. Let's see, let's see, let's see. John 14 3. John 14 verse 3. Look at what he promised us in John 14, 3. He says, let's start from verse 2. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go and prepare a place for you. A lot of us have believed that he's going, Jesus has gone somewhere to go and be doing construction work. You made Jesus your construction site manager. That's not what he's doing, no. Can there be a house in a mansion? Think, 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 think. Drop your, drop your religious brain now and think logically. In my father's house, there are many mansions. Is there a mansion? Can you build a mansion in a house? <laughs> so Jesus does not have any job. Again, you just going to turn it to, we are bring pan, bring the nails, bring bricks. Oh yeah, join it together. Join, that's what he's doing. No, that's not, God is not that jobless. When he says, in my father's house, there are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go and prepare a place for you. Look at verse 3. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. For that where I am, ye may be also. Where is he? He's in Christ. He is with us in our spirit. So the promise has been fulfilled. He died and rose again to prepare a place for you. Are you getting what I'm saying? He died and rose again to prepare a place for you. Prepare a place for you, a position. Give you his authority. So we are not second born, third born, fourth born, fifth born, hundred born, whatever. We are raised the same way he was raised. Hallelujah. The same way he was raised from the dead is how we were raised from the dead. Somebody will say, ah, but I did not stand up from the grave like he did. That is why we say it is only known by revelation. 
<laughs> what is known in Christ or what you have in Christ or what Christ has done for you is only known by revelation in God's word. That's why it says the only condition for a man to do is to believe. Believe the gospel. That's all. That's all. So we are raised the same way he was raised. John 14 verse 9. Philip said, and Jesus said, have I been so long with you and thou hast not known me, Philip? He says, if thou hast seen me, has seen the Father. How see that show us the Father? So if you have seen him, you've seen the Father. Because he lives, so you do. Look at John 20, verse 17. He says, John 20, verse 17. I like that place. John 20, verse 17. He says, Touch me not, for I am not yet ascended to my Father, but I go to my brethren and say unto them, and I ascend to my Father and your Father, and to my God. And your God. So we have the same son names. We are in the same family. We are now brothers and sisters. Look at the person beside you. Say we are brothers and sisters. Ah, are you shy? Look at the person and say it loud. Say we are brothers and sisters. We are brothers and sisters. We are born from the same womb. We are born from the same. We share the same son name. Someone say no. My son name is not your own. <laughs> Hallelujah. So when you see Christ at his resurrection, you see the believer in Christ. Hallelujah. When you see Christ at his resurrection, you see the believer in Christ. We are in him, just like him, as he is today. This is our new breed. This is our species. We are victorious. We are conquerors. We are champions because Christ rose from the dead. And we too, we can safely say we rose from the dead with him. We are seated with him. And we share the same identity with him. You know there is no failure in Jesus, right? No, you're not getting what I'm saying. You know there is no failure in Jesus, right? Yes, sir. So there is no failure in you, right? Yes. Remember what I said. To know yourself, you see him, right? Yes. To have a proper identity of yourself, you first look at him. And that is the revelation of God to us. We pick, we, we pick up from here. Um, next week, Tuesday. Let's, let's share with your neighbor what, what, you, what you learned today. Look at somebody and just share with them what you learned today. Compare your notes and just tell them, ah, guys, what, what, what did you learn? What, what's, what's your identity? What's your identity? Share with somebody.